Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, on this August the 12th, 1980 of our Rock of Ages, Maturity in Service. You know, man is born to live. He is also born to be born again so he may serve. In Romans chapter 12, which is the scripture for this rock of ages, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, brethren. The word beseech means I lovingly implore you. I beg you with all my heart. I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Not a dead one, but a living one. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable service means to serve him. The only reasonable service I know for a man or a woman to live at any time is to serve God. Your call to service is to serve the call of the one who called you people. Service requires two things. Number one, having something to serve. And the thing that we have to serve is the rock of all ages, the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, having someone to serve. And that someone to serve is the believer. And our teaching pulpit, ladies and gentlemen, is the world. In Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 15, talking about maturity, it says, speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things who is the head, even who? Christ. That we may grow up, that we may mature in him, in all things, who is the head, that's Christ. You know, when you're born a little physical baby, it takes years to grow up. From the time you're a baby, you go through puberty, and then you go through the youth stage, and you finally get to the adult stage. So it is as a spiritual child of God, people. There is a maturity. You're born again of God's Spirit. Then you go through the milk stage, and finally you get to the stage that you can handle the greatness of the integrity of God's word in the meat stage. This is why here in Ephesians 4, it states it so beautifully, you grow up in him, you grow up in Christ Jesus, in all things, not just one thing, but in all things. And he is the head. In 2 Thessalonians, 
chapter 2, chapter 1 it is, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and in verse 3, we read, For we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, as it's right on, because, and whatever the word because is used in the Bible, it gives you the reason, because, that your pistis, and the word pistis here means believing, that your believing groweth exceedingly. And the charity, the word charity class is the word agapeo. It means the love of God in the renewed mind in manifestation. And that the love of God in the renewed mind of that, in manifestation of every one of you, all toward each other aboundeth. Your believing groweth exceedingly. And the love of God of every one of you toward each other aboundeth. You see, as believers, our standing and our position in Christ are not our responsibility. Our inheritance in Christ is assured, people. And it's beyond our control. In Colossians chapter 1, and in verse 12, we read, giving thanks on the Father who hath made us meet. The word meet is adequate. The Father has made us adequate to be partakers. The words be partakers are enjoy our share. He has made us adequate to enjoy our share of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Our inheritance is assured and it's beyond our control. But, people, the rewards of that inheritance are not assured. Rewards are contingent upon faithful service. Just serving God day after day after day after day. Just staying faithful, people, to that to which God has called us. In Colossians chapter 2, in verse 18, Let no man beguile you of your reward. Those words beguile you of your reward. In the text literally are defraud you of your prize. Let no man, no one, defraud you of your prize. No one. 
You see people in my mind, and I'm sure it's in yours also, who love God like I do. It is simply wisdom to believe what God's Word says. Any substitute class, no matter how intellectual or how reasonable sounding it may be, is always enslavement. It is truth, people, that sets people free. It is truth that sets men and women free. All error enslaves people. It's been amazing to me through these years how long it takes believers really to rise up to the great privileges of God's Word. And for the most part, I've learned through the years that most people, I'm talking about believers, not people who aren't born again, but born again believers, People are afraid to acknowledge what the Word says they are. They're afraid to acknowledge what the Word says they are. They continue to be world-conditioned. They continue to be circumstance-conditioned rather than to be Word-conditioned. And ladies and gentlemen, you and I have to get to the place that we are word-conditioned rather than world or circumstance-conditioned. Look, if you're going to play tennis, you play it by a tennis what? Rule book. Ask Paula Smith, she knows. She didn't play tennis and win the championship couple nights ago by playing by a football rule book or a basketball rule book. She won it by playing by tennis rule book. Ladies and gentlemen, why can't we get honest with God? If we're going to play in God's league and be believers, sons of God, born again of God's Spirit with Christ in us, Ladies and gentlemen, we got to play by God's rule book. This is his rule book. People, you are what the Word of God says you are. You have what the Word of God says you have. You'll be what the Word of God says you'll be. Because of what God wrought in Christ Jesus for you. Right, baby. This struggle to be worthy. The struggle for worthiness, people, is a defeating struggle, and you know it. And that struggle does nothing but issue in a sense of unrighteousness. And then finally, right after you feel unrighteous, then you feel condemned. In Romans chapter 8, this is God's word. This is the rule book, people. 
This is what we play God's ball game by. Romans 8, chapter 1, 8, verse 1. There is therefore now. Now means what? Now. When is now? Now. You said it, baby. <laughs> there is therefore now, right now, no what? Condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. That's why the struggle for worthiness is so defeating and so destructing. It always issues in a sense of unrighteousness and condemnation, which is contrary to God's word. For ladies and gentlemen, when you're born again of God's spirit, it says there is no condemnation. Then why in the world do you allow the world, the circumstances to put you into condemnation? I don't know why you do it. It's simply because you haven't come to the place to want to play by the rule book. You want to let your own rules write it, your world write it for you, circumstances write it. Ladies and gentlemen, I came to the place many years in my life, I go by what the Word says. No matter what the people say, I have no friends when it comes to the Word. I stand on the Word and that settles it. God. You know, someone said to me last week, if only I could get the joy back that I once had when I first was born again. God, I felt sorry for that person. Sorry to the end that nobody had ever taught him the word. If I could only get the joy back I once had. I turned him to First John and read him a verse of Scripture. <laughs> you know, First John, it's in the Word. Sort of pretty far back to the end, you know. First John, bless your heart. Chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all what? unrighteousness. That's what I read to him. If only I could get the joy back I once had. You know why you lost the joy? Because you broke fellowship. You walked by what the world said and by what circumstances said. Rather than to walk by the word. And when you walk outside of the pale, once you're born again of God's Spirit and then you walk like the devil, sure you're going to feel like the Russian army marched through your mouth barefooted or something. <laughs> you're going to feel like an income poop. Well, the only way I know back it is First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, that's broken fellowship, not sonship, fellowship. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins 
and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness and put you back in alignment and harmony that you no longer are condemned and feel condemned, but that you're able to walk in the light as he is the light. And ladies and gentlemen, that is to walk with joy and power of the Holy Ghost, people. In 1 John chapter 3, listen to verse 1. Behold, and whenever you read that word, behold, it means pay attention. Get your earballs open, your eyeballs, your noseballs, everything else. Get them open. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Who did the bestowing? Not your grandma. Not your local preacher. Behold what love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of what? Boy, oh boy, oh boy. That we should be called the sons of God. Verse 2. Beloved, beloved, not enemies, but beloved. Now, and the word now means what? Now. You bet your life it does. It doesn't mean when you die someday. It means what? Now. Good Lord. If you're going to wait until you die to find out if you're going to make it, it may be too damn late. <laughs> Boy, people, you know, they talk to me about just suffering your way to heaven. What a damnable lie. Lordy Pete. If you had to suffer your way to heaven, you'd be miserable after you got there. <laughs> That's right. Because you'd be so acclimatized to misery that you couldn't get along up in heavenly glory at all. Boy, oh boy. Look, I didn't write the book. And I didn't die for you. But ladies and gentlemen, the word says, Beloved, now, not when we die, but right now. If I could not know that I belong to the Weirwell family before I die, what good it would do me? If I could not know that I belong to the heavenly family before I die, what's good about it? You know, these people always talk about suffering your way to heaven. They're the last people who want to do it. They're always talking about it. People who talk about God making you sick. Well, bless God, if God makes you sick, instead of going to the doctor, then why don't they go get sicker? But they're the first people that go to a doctor and get an aspirin. And if sickness was ever a God, then you ought to pray for two sicknesses. It'd be twice as important to get it from God. <laughs> boy, oh boy. 
The logic of the world is absolute stupidity. That's right. Boy. Look, honey, let's just talk straight logic. If sickness is of God, then you ought to pray for two sicknesses. Now you got twice as much of God, right? And if God sends sickness, you're real sick, you ought to pray for more of it so you got more of God. People, you got to be nuts to think that kind of logic. Right. Our God is not a God of sickness. He's not a God of defeat. Our God never made a failure. Our God is in business of making people to succeed. He's a deliverer. He's not a failure, people. And you know, my people, it is so sad that sons and daughters of God Almighty go down to the level and they take the place of servants in the household when God has made you his sons and his daughters to want to go down and be a servant in the household. We are not servants, we're sons of God. We're daughters of God. Ah, look, I read you the word. It's the textbook. This is the rule book you play by. Beloved, now are we the sons of what? Right now. August the 12th, 1980, at the Rock of Ages, we are what? You said it, because that's what the word says, and that's what I believe. That's right. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. They brought me a news article tonight saying that I brainwash you people. They're right. Somebody better get brainwashed because you've got your stupid brains filled with all kind of crap. You need the purity of the Word of God, the great reality of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. And ladies and gentlemen, if that's brainwashing, I'm highly in favor of it. They said, I program you, you people. They're right. I program you to believe God and his word. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the greatest thing I know.
look at Romans 8, 17. It said, Beloved, now we're the sons of what? And if you're a son, baby, you're an heir. You're a child. Look at Romans 8, 17. And if children, and if children, then we're what? Heirs of what? And we are what? With whom? And a joint heir is one who shares equally. That's, yes it is. Look up your legal terminology. That's right. We share equally. Because that agrees with what the word says. In the gospel of John, when Jesus said if he ascended, he was going to give something. And then he said, the works that I do, he shall do what? Boy, people, someday you just got to mature. Tonight is maturing in service. We have lived so below par as Christians. You could have never won a golf game if you tried. Spiritually. You'd have never gone before beyond whole one or something. Look at it again, people. If children, then what? Right. Heirs of whom? And we are joint heirs. Share equally with Christ. Why? Because Christ is in you. The hope of what? Glory. Amen, people. That's it. Look at verse 28. Romans 8, 28. And we know. We don't question. We don't doubt. We know that all things work together for good. To them who do what? To them who are the called according to his what? Amen. Look at Ephesians, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians chapter 3. Boy, what a wonderful word of God. How tremendous it is to learn that you can mature to be the wonderful sons of God that he planned for. Even before the foundations of the world. 3.19 of Ephesians. And to know, not question, not doubt, but to what? Know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. That ye might be filled, filled, filled with the what? All the fullness of what? God. Boy, what a wonderful, wonderful truth. Children, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. All things working together for good to those who love God, filled with all the fullness of what? Oh, people, walk away from tonight and all the days of your life in the maturity of what you are in Christ Jesus. Don't go by what the world says or circumstances may say, but go by the word. For you are what the Word of God says you are. You have what the Word of God says you have. And you will be what the Word of God says you will be. In spite of anything the world may say. Or circumstances may say. That's right. (laughs) 
Ephesians chapter 1. I'll read you King James. Ephesians chapter 1. I'll read you King James and then I'll give you the, the translation that Rotherham did, which I think is a gem. It's absolutely accurate. One five. Having predestinated us, I'm Ephesians 1.5, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Rotherham translates it, God in love, marking us out beforehand unto sonship through Jesus Christ unto himself. Now isn't that beautiful? God marking us out. God in his love marking us out. Beforehand unto sonship through Jesus Christ unto himself. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the mark of God upon us. We are branded, we are stamped with the presence of God in Christ, in us, the hope of glory. Look at verse 6. To the praise of his what? Of his grace, wherein he hath made us. He hath made us. He did what? He made us. He made us. Accepted. And the word is lovely. He hath made us lovely. Or he has made us acceptable. He, God in Christ, has made us. Oh, people, why don't we believe God's word? The first time I was made by my daddy and mommy. My daddy made me. My mommy made me. And do you know something? My daddy liked me. <laughs> Paid all my stupid bills. My mommy liked me. I've often said it cost my earthly father $20,000 to educate a fool. That's me. Because I didn't learn much in all those years. I learned it later on. When I got back to the integrity of God's word and worked the word. My son, John Paul, came to me after dinner and he said, Daddy, do you think I could have a set of tapes on the Holy Spirit? I said, well, I'll think about it. Two or three hours later, as I got around to it, I gave him a set. And after I'd given him the set, you can ask him, I said, John Paul, do you think the day will ever come when we'll trust our heavenly father as much as we trust, as you trust your earthly father? You know I love you. You wanted a set of tapes. It was available. I just asked for it. Now I gave it to you. I love you and I gave it to you. Certainly God loves us more than any earthly father ever loved his children. Would our Heavenly Father then not give us the things that he's promised in his word 
The reason we don't receive it, people, is because we do not believe it. We will trust an earthly father more than we'll trust the heavenly father who created the heavens and earth, set the stars in their courses, gave the wonderful Lord Jesus Christ all the promise of his word. Ladies and gentlemen, the power of the greatness of God's word is just beginning in our day and time because people like you are beginning to rise up. You're beginning to believe God's word and you're starting to move the word over the world. Amen. You've got to take advantage of your God-given standing in the family and household of God as a son of God. I'm a werewolf. I took advantage, not wrongly, but rightly, because I'm a son. I took advantage of being in the werewolf household. That's right. When I had a need, I'd go to my daddy and say, Dad, can you help me? I'd go to mom and say, Mom, can you help me? How much more, people? We ought to love and trust God and take advantage of being in the household of God and maturing in our service for God like I matured in my service for my earthly father. One of the great days in my life, and I had a lot of them, because I had a great daddy, great mother, was when my earthly father came to me one day and he said, I don't know how any man could be prouder of his son than I am of you. He said, I love all my other sons. I'm as proud of them. That was Reuben and Harry. He loved them just as proud. But because of my ministry and what I was doing, he said, I'm just so proud of you. You know, I could have blown all the buttons off of my vest and shirt and bra if I'd have worn one. <laughs> Boy, my father loved me. He loved me. My mother loved me. Man, you just have to take advantage of your God-given standing in the family. I love my daddy and mommy. I imagine if somebody had ever called my daddy a son of a bitch, I'd have most likely hit him straight in the face. That's right. But I hear people, people calling God the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the son of a bitch, and everybody thinks it's a bunch of junk. I want to tell you, some of us just don't stand for that crap. That's right. You can call me a nincompoop and you can say I'm no good. But baby, the moment you tell me my God and my Father, God of the Lord Jesus Christ, tell me he's no good. I want to tell you, I'm going to look straight in your eyeball. And I'll spit in it and say, you're a damn liar. (laughs) 
I just don't take that crap. That's right. I stand for God and His Word. You can laugh at me, but don't you laugh at my Heavenly Father who redeemed me and saved me to the uttermost and made my life a living reality so I could bless people. That I don't stand for. You bet your life I don't, baby. Some people think I'm stubborn. Well, that's no secret. Damn it, I am. Because <laughs> I believe in God and His Word. I'm stubborn. I wish more people got stubborn on God and His Word. That's right. The Christian church been a bunch of pushovers. Hell, it's no more than a sorority or some social service club. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Word, the Word, the Word. And that makes for the power of God in your life. That's what matures you people. The Word. Do you think maybe I could read you 1 Corinthians chapter 1? <laughs> Verse 30. You read it yourself, people. I didn't write the book. But it says in verse 30, But of him, of him, of God, of, if you're of someone, you got seed in you, right? I'm of my earthly father, Mr. Ernst Werewill. I am of him. I am his son. Now when I got born again, I'm a son of God, beloved, now are we what? Verse 30, but of him, of God, are ye in whom? Christ Jesus, who is made, who of God is made unto us. He's made unto us what? Wisdom. He's made unto us what? Wisdom. He's made unto us righteousness. He is made unto us sanctification. And what? Redemption. He has made this unto us. You didn't earn it. He's made it. He's made it unto us. Good Lord. You know, when my earthly father died, we inherited this place where you're seated tonight. Never accepted it for the werewolves. We deeded it immediately in the way ministry to bless people with like you. But he's made unto us. I didn't earn the werewolf money. My grandmother and grandfather, my daddy and mommy earned it. They earned it. I didn't. It was made unto us. It was given unto us. God, people, I didn't earn anything. I didn't earn the goodness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, the wisdom of God, the justification of God, the righteousness of God, the sanctification. I didn't earn it. He was made this unto us. He's made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and what? People, we are the royal family. We are God's heavenly aristocracy people. Do you know that? 
You belong to the household and family of God. Look at Galatians 6. Galatians 6. This is the law of the household and family. Galatians 6. Verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all, but especially unto who? Unto them who are of the household of faith or of believing. We in the way ministry are good to all people, but we're especially good to the household of believers. We're especially good. That's the law of the family. That's the law of the household. How I could I be good to an unbeliever and a God-rejecter and everything out there and then not be good to you? How could I talk about loving them and then not loving you? You gotta be nuts with that logic. I gotta be especially good to whom? The household. The household. And you're part of that household. You see, people, God's primary reason for our living continues to be fulfilled as long as we love. With the love of God in the renewed mind in manifestation. When any man ceases to love, then man's reason for living ends. We are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, all of our strength, and we love our neighbor, the household of believers, as we love ourselves. That, my people, is the limitless limit of the love of the believers. In Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 30. Moreover. Romans 8.30. Moreover whom he did predestinate. Them he also what? And whom he called. Them he also what? And whom he justified, them he also what? What shall we then say to these things? If God be what? Who can be what? And ladies and gentlemen, God is for us. For we are his children. Beloved, now are we the sons of what? My earthly daddy was for me, people. My earthly daddy was for me. Certainly my heavenly father is for me, right? He is also your father. He is for you. He is for you. What shall we then say to these things? If God be what? Who can be what? Say it again. If God be for us, who can be against? Why don't you believe it? Amen. Look at verse 32. That's right. 
We are moving with the word over the world, no matter what anybody says. We are on the move because if God be for us, who can be what? Amen. That's right. And the worst all they can do is take our physical lives. But boy, when they take my life, then somebody else is there to move it. We move the word, people, the word, the word. We are God's express, moving God's word over the world. If God be what? Who can be what? Now you look at verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Not reluctantly. You don't have to beg God. You just thank him. For he'll freely give us what? Verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge? The word charge means call in question. Who shall call in question? God's elect. Shall God who justified? Who is he that condemneth? Shall Christ who died? Yea, rather, that's risen again, who's even at the right hand of God, who also makes what? Intercession for us. Now look at verse 35, people. Who, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, or peril, or the news media, or sword. Nah. Verse 37, nay, no, no, no. In all these things we are more than what? And the words more than in the critical Greek text are super. In all these things we are what? We're not supermen, but we're super conquerors because Jesus Christ is the man who strengthens us. For it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And verse 38, people, I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. And you know what it is to be persuaded? Not to have one iota of a doubt about it. In the innermost part of your being, you know that you know that you know that you know that you know. I am persuaded. And neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to what? nor height, nor depth, nor any other one shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our what? 
Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our what? Ladies and gentlemen, that is maturity in service tonight. Amen? God bless. I love you. You're the best. Thank you. Bless God. Move it.